SHUT THE FUCK UP! There's a lot of yelling in this movie. Specifically from the German guy. Yes, total non-stop yelling from him, and I don't know, every time he yells, I just get a good, I, I always laugh, because it's funny. It's so over the top. And you can't tell if he's angry, or if he's psychotic, or if it's out of joy. It's just, it's the Kristen Stewart of yelling with facial expressions. Like, you'd never know what expression it is. It's all the same. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fractured Skulls, episode 43. It is Saturday, June 12, 2021. Terminator Child's long stomach of monoxide. Monoxide, this is it. We have reached the final sequence of this franchise. The trilogy is coming to an end. Yes, Tony Sucks has officially killed whatever brain cells I have left. Although, you may be shocked by my review of this film. Hmm, okay. But hold your thought there. We got some news to uh, discuss first before we get to our review. First things first, E3 was this weekend. For those that don't know what E3 is, basically like a big video game convention um to think at one point this was just like almost like a like a he-man woman haters club with the e3 but now video games have become such like a a big thing it's almost like a big giant corporate sponsorship of all these video games that and like um the whenever they have these big uh, big conventions or like these cosplay events i mean these events have really blown up over the past i'd say 20 years compared to the 90s how it is now it's almost like a global event and uh, have you heard any news you keep up with E3? Um, I mean, the only thing I know is that Nintendo's actually affiliated this year, which they've distanced themselves from because they have their own thing. The What is it? The Nintendo Treehouse or whatever they call it. Every so often, Nintendo will announce, oh, we've got uh, sort of their own like 30-minute special. And what it is is they're just announcing the upcoming title. Sometimes it'll be catered specifically to a specific genre like indie titles or uh all zelda related or whatever and usually there, there's some that are just you know routine they're just announcing a bunch of games and that's that but what nintendo likes to do is at the very end they'll hit you with like a big surprise like there was one where they'll say oh and we got one more surprise for you snap their fingers and they show a character from Splatoon uh, squirting ink guns at each other, blah, blah, blah. And then you're thinking, oh, it's a Splatoon DLC it's expansion pack. But then the lights go out, the Splatoon inkling character turns around, and it's every single N Nintendo intellectual property. And then it's got the Smash Bros. symbol in the background trying to tell you that the new Smash Bros. game is coming out. Or what they'll do is they like to swerve people sometimes. What they'll do is they'll show Isabel, who's the character from Animal Crossing. They'll show her, and you'll think it's a new Animal Crossing game, but they'll show she's just an added character to the DLC. And you're like, oh, you're disappointed, but you're glad to see Isabel. But then after that's over, then they'll show Tom Nook, same franchise, and he'll like do his little speech and text, like how it is in the game. And then they'll show the Animal Crossing logo, swerved you again thinking oh we're just gonna give you his belt no we're gonna give you a new animal crossing game blah 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 that's what they'll do so what i'm thinking because they're a part of e3 i'm hoping that they're announcing something big and the big thing for me would be the sequel to legend of zelda breath of the wild because breath of the wild is such an amazing fantastic uh, 
marvelous game, and I need a sequel to it. And the sequel's supposed to be darker, similar to Majora's Mask to Ocarina of Time. So I'm just, I'm dying for this game. I understand it takes time to make a game, and I'd rather them take time and perfect it than rush it. But God, I've been waiting so long for this game. So I hope to God it's that, that sequel. Because then I will call it a work for a week to recover for the orgasm that I suffer because of that. But you mentioned that how, like, Nintendo doesn't usually work with E3, but they're probably doing it this year, probably because of the whole COVID thing. And I don't know if their partnership with E3 is going to be long-term, or maybe they'll go back to being on their own next year once things have calmed down more. It, it's possible, but like I said, I figured it was because they're going to announce something huge. Like, why would you say, oh, yeah, we're going to be affiliated with E3 when you have your own thing? It's It's got to be something big, because, again, with Zelda, what I said, they had announced two years ago that the game was in development, but we haven't heard anything since then. The only thing we've heard was that uh, a blurb from one of the creators basically saying that, um, I, I'm paraphrasing, but good things come to those who wait. We still got more time to polish it, but in the meantime, here's some other stuff, and I think they showed some other things. Uh, I know, I think it's this year. This year is the 35th anniversary of the release of the first ever Zelda game for the NES. So in contrast to that, they've remastered Skyward Sword. The thing is, Skyward Sword is universe. I shouldn't say universally painted. It's mixed. Half people love it. Half people hate it. And the people that hate it believe it's too hand-holding. It's too linear. Like, it's too... Um, how do I put it? Breath of the Wild is such an open world. You can do whatever you want. To accomplish whatever mission you want in any order you want. Skyward Sword, it's like, you gotta do it in these steps, blah, blah, blah. And it's constantly telling you what to do, like as if you're a fucking child. Like, you run into something, press A to do this. Like, like as if you didn't know that's what you have to do type of thing. Uh, there are people who like it because Skyward Sword is supposed to be set at the very beginning of the Zelda timeline. It's literally the very first story. But it's being remade for the Switch. Now, who knows if it's going to just keep everything from the Wii. I think it was either the Wii or the Wii U. I can't remember which. I think it was the Wii um, when it first came out. I don't know if it's going to keep everything there or if it's going to fix up some of the things that were buggy in the first game. Nintendo kind of has a history of just keeping the titles as is. They released Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which has Mario 64, uh, Super Mario Sunshine and Galaxy and they're all pretty much the same exact game as they were before with maybe minor tweaks because of the hardware they were on like Galaxy was on the Wii so you don't have the Wii uh, remote you have the, the Joy-Cons which operate differently so I hope that it's a big title even if it's not Breath of the Wild 2 maybe it's a different title like Metroid Prime 4 which was another game that was announced when the Switch came out but they had developed it and then they didn't like what they uh, had already, so they scraped it all and started from scratch again. So, who knows? I, I hope there's just a big title in the way. For me, it's uh, hopefully it's Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever they're going to call it. So, uh, I guess we'll keep your fingers crossed for that. We'll find out Monday. Yeah, we'll find out Monday. Obviously, they only had a night one of this uh, event. I think this is going to be going out throughout the whole weekend. I guess it's a Fortnite uh, extravaganza. Something like that, and, I, and yeah, like I said, I think Nintendo has Monday, if I'm correct. Okay, so each like big video game brand has like its own night, like maybe Sony for night one, Microsoft, 
uh, I don't know, I guess PC and then Nintendo. I'm not sure because I I never watched E3 because, again, you know me. I, I I love Sony. I usually collect all the Sony consoles, but I'm a big Nintendo person. That's more of what my news is focused on. I just I'm more of a fan of the Nintendo intellectual properties. Uh, whereas Sony and Xbox, most of the titles are interchangeable. Yeah, you have your Gears of War and Halo, and Sony has the Crash Bandicoot and um. It's another Sony exclusive, Heavy Rain and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, a lot of the titles are interchangeable. They're on both systems. There's not a lot of exclusivity anymore. And I think that's missing. Like, I understand certain gaming developers want their games on all platforms because you have all this uh, avenue of making money. But I mm -hmm. think there's something to it when... a when you have to have that system to play that game like you can't have a ps4 and be able to play mario you have to have a nintendo console to be able to play mario i think there's just something about it that just makes it that much more um special and nintendo seems to be the only real one that has that idea i mean granted back in the day they gave up their property to the panasonic 3do but we all saw how that turned out with mario and zelda but in the end, you're never going to find, at least definitely now, any of their property on another system. You're not going to find Mario, Zelda, Pokemon, Donkey Kong on another system. They're Nintendo through thick and thin. So that's why I'm focused more on Nintendo. Just, that's just me personally. Yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, you just mentioned there's more money when you go when you cross all the platforms. And yeah. video game is a, is a, is a multi-billion dollar industry. More money in uh, that than movies and um, I guess what are, whatever other big business. I mean, video games probably I'd say number one. Yeah, it but it's it put it into this perspective. If Nintendo decided, okay, yeah, we'll put Donkey Kong on, or let's use a uh, Mario. We'll just use the generic example. If they put Mario on Xbox and Sony, then Nintendo would have to split the difference between those two consoles. For that intellectual property that's sold on them and it doesn't benefit them in any way like if that game uh mario just throwing it sells 20 million copies i'm just throwing a number out there they keep all the fucking money because they're the ones that developed the game and all that stuff and it's on their system and it's yeah. sold 20 million copies as opposed to if it sold 20 million copies but maybe a third of it was sold on the switch a third of it was sold on xbox one and a third of it sold on ps4 or in this case xbox one x ps5 and that split difference goes to all these other companies and it's just like why do that when we can keep it all for ourselves yeah especially a name like nintendo a big profitable company or the beach exclusively for them or for sony or for xbox i mean those are the big three right now and people don't know this I, there's certain people who do nobody realizes that nintendo's been around for a hundred years they've been around yeah. since like the 1800s they were a card company yeah, they were playing card company and then a toy company, I think. They were trying to get themselves into gadgets. Uh, and then eventually they put their, uh, they rolled the dice with video games and yeah, the rest is history. And uh, don't get PC as well. I mean, there's money, a lot of money in that too. People love their computer games. PC has its advantages. You can mod games. You can mod games to however you want. I've seen some really cool mods on like GTA or Counter-Strike and stuff like that. But I'm... <laughs> I only beef with PC, and this is not really a beef with PC gamers. 
I don't like how every game I have, I have to look at the box and see all the requirements needed to play this on your PC. And then if you don't have every single itty bitty requirement on your PC that's compatible with that game, now you got to go out and buy a separate part and replace it into your PC. Some people don't mind that. Uh, that's just too much for me personally. I remember uh, a user by the name of Helsing920 made that point and he got lambasted by the PC gaming community. I'm just saying, I don't particularly like that. I'm, I'm on the boat that he was on. If you pick up a Nintendo Switch game, all you need is the Nintendo Switch. That's it. You don't have to mess with your system. Sure, maybe you have to erase certain memory or you have to get a memory card to fill up the memory. That's fine, but all the requirements that are needed to play a PC game can be very, very costly. And that's, I, I personally am not into that. Plus, a good gaming computer can cost about $1,000, maybe more. Yeah, yeah, I've seen friends of mine, like, like, spend a shit ton of money just to have, like, a big, like, computer setup with a chair. Oh, like, they have, like, maybe three or two, like, like monitor screens just, like, just to play games. I'm like, fuck. Like, I love video games, too, but I don't know I'd spend over $1,000 on it. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I'm not trashing that. If that's your prerogative, go right ahead. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. We're all gamers in the end. We all have different tastes. I'm I'm personally a Nintendo person. A Nintendo slash Sony person. Those are the two that I catered to. Back in the day, I also loved Sega. But Sega's now more of a software company. But those are the two I catered to. But if you like Xbox... More power to you. Have fun. I just personally do not feel like shelling out $2,000 just to get a proper gaming PC to play PC games. And But I do understand why people like PC gaming. There is some things about PC gaming that even attracts me. It's just costly to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I played PC games. I used to be a big Sims player when I was in middle school. Yeah. Sims, Counter-Strike... Uh, there was one game that I had called The Movies that I wish would have been on console, but it was mainly a PC game. Uh, some of the backyard sports games that were released for the PC, like backyard baseball, football. I used to love the shit out of those games as a kid. Hell, even some of the Arthur games when I was younger, when I was real young, they had the Arthur PC games. Yes, the Aardvark. Those are memory inducing right there. Uh, there was a Peter Pan game I used to play at school. Uh, some of the Carmen San Diego games. Now I'm going way back. <laughs> yeah, th those are the games that I was attracted to. And there was one other. Oh, one of my favorite PC games, Beavis and Butthead Virtual Stupidity. Of course. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. I still have it in the jewel case. The only problem is it just doesn't operate on my laptop because it's on Windows 95 and all that shit gotta get the proper pc to play it mm -hmm. yeah you, should, you just gotta shell 2000 that's it plus probably more possibly but yeah uh, all in all that's where we are right now with e3 um yeah yeah um speaking of video games um you haven't watched have you ever played any of the castlevania games uh, I played the early ones in the NES. I played Cast Super Castlevania 4, and I played Symphony in the Night. Ah, those are usually uh, the quintessential, I guess, Castlevania games. 
Super Castlevania, which I, I played that as well. Great game. It's basically a, it's like a cover of the first one. Just more updates. Just more updated for the uh, 64-bit of the Super Nintendo. Uh, Castlevania 3, I think, is, is an excellent game. I, I Castlevania 2 sucks. I don't like that game. I have not played the other uh, one you mentioned. The Sim- uh, Night of Sympathy or Sympathy Night. You never played the PS1 one? No. That's considered the, um, the greatest one, and it's considered... The Metroid version of Castlevania. Mm. Like it, it literally is Metroid style gameplay. Um and it and it cock teases you because when you first play it, I think you're playing as um you play Simon Belmont or something. You're like all powered up. Mm-hmm. You could destroy all these wolves and then you face uh, Dracula. And then all of your shit is taken away, and you're back to the puny little sword, and you got to build your guy back up again. Mm. And on top of that, you got to go through this whole castle, go from the bottom to the top, and then all the way back down. And if you actually look at the map, your your head would fucking spin. It sounds challenging. I'm surprised they didn't put that part of the uh, Konami release because I, I bought the uh, the Castlevania uh, package that they had on online at the PS Store. Uh, they have all they have all the original NES games on it. They had the Super Nintendo version or the Sega version, one or the other, probably both. And they had the Game Boy uh, version of it. I guess because it's such a big game to put in uh, that collection. I don't know. I I, I can't fathom why. Um, maybe they want. I the didn't, I'm not sure. I didn't like it as much as the Super Nintendo version. I thought. Uh, Super Castlevania 4 was the best Castlevania game because it was to me it was everything that Castlevania 1 through 3 was except without the cheap bullshit like being hit and then you fly into the fucking ocean like you get hit and you gotta fly all the way back or you got these head Medusa heads coming up and oh, down oh god I hated those heads those fucking, oh, and they come while you're walking up the stairs which makes yeah, that's, complete- the, that's the worst <laughs> oh, you can't do god. nothing I mean, at least the game was, it, 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 to me, it was like Donkey Kong. It's a game where it's all trial and error. If you lose, it's because you didn't do something right. And I think that's something that's missing. A lot of games being challenging, but they're challenging because you just have to get better at the game. Or as gamers would say, get good. As opposed to, let's just add a little bit of cheap fucking uh, tactics to the game. That don't necessarily make it more challenging, but it's just make it cheap. Like I said, well, when you get hit, you just fly all the way back into into the ocean. Yeah, you fly. You hope there's a, there's not a hole behind you, or else you're falling in that hole. You gotta start that stage over again. Yeah. What, which was there? You gotta um, position yourself rightly, just in case they throw a Medusa head at you. Which was the one that you had, like literally these small platforms. You literally had to hop on them when you're facing Dracula. And all it takes is one hit, and you're falling into that pit. Like, literally, you can't get hit. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the Sega version. I want to say the third game. Oh, fuck. Possibly. I thought that was the one where you have the two flames. You're, like, sandwiched in between, and then the third flame, which is right in the middle, just gets you every time. Yep. That's the one. (laughs) Oh, God. Some of those games are just, like, so brutal. Yeah, it, it, it pissed me off. Those are the games I would throw my remote like to the fucking wall. I hope it doesn't break. <laughs> yeah, that's. I gotta get the fuck. 
To all you youngsters out there, games back in the day were fucking ridiculously hard. Why? Because they were shorter. And because you're spending 40 to $50 on it, they wanted you to get your money's worth. So rather than have you beat it in a half hour to an hour, they made it super difficult so you'd be sitting there playing it, losing your fucking shit. And then you eventually beat it. Games like Contra, Castlevania, Ghost and Goblins, uh, the original Zelda, Zelda 2. I mean, I'm definitely forgetting some, but those are just... Oh, the Star Wars games for the Super Nintendo. And back in those days, you couldn't just save the game right on that spot. You have to, uh, well, there was no internet. When you when you beat a board, it give you like a heart, sword, uh, uh, arrow. And you have to remember that exact combo. So you got to take a piece of paper. You got to write that shit down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> those the were camera. the days. Yeah, those were the days. I will never forget those days. Right, yeah, it's it was all about strategy. Strategy mm -hmm. and patience. Especially with Donkey Kong. That took me quite a time, uh, good time to beat. Those days, like, when you first play the cart mine, it's almost damn near impossible. But then, obviously, when you play Donkey Kong a little bit more and you get the timing right, it's pretty easy. It, it made it easy for me when I played the Donkey Kong games in later games, like the Wii and the Wii U. Because most people have said, that tropical freeze is like it, it, it's gonna make you go ape shit. And while it was challenging, I didn't find it as difficult as most people raved it to me. But that's because I played some of the old Donkey Kong games from the Super Nintendo, and those, oh my god, make you want to pull your fucking hair out. Great games too. I I, I still play those today with no problem. No problem as in like I, I like oh look look at the graphics, but or you know. No problem. I yeah. like still have fun playing it, and be and still be challenging too. That's why I think I had an argument with somebody one time. Not an argument. It was more like a disagreement. He felt that the N sixty four was the most revolutionary console, and I thought Super Nintendo was because it's like to this day you could play like let's say a game like A Link to the Past. Yeah, it's two D, but it still looks better than the N64 version of Ocarina of Time. Like, you don't have to remaster Link to the Past. You can leave it as is and let some youngster... I mean, granted, he may have a he or she may have a hard time playing it because it's a harder game because it was made years ago. But it's still visually more appealing than the original Ocarina of Time. For that, you'd have to give them the 3DS version, which was an upgraded, remastered version of that game. Plus... It fixes that water temple fucking nonsense where you have to... Guys, there's a level in Ocarina of Time called the water temple where there are certain three levels of water that get lifted. And sometimes you either have to be floating on top or you have to be at the very bottom. And in order to do that, you have these boots that you either have to put on or take off. Now, on the 3DS version, there's a second screen. So all you got to do is just press... Uh, a button on the second screen and he'll either take them on or take them off. It's very simple. On the N64 version though, if you had to switch them, you had to pause the game and flip through your menu and click the shoes and click on or off. Think about doing that for a level that could take you close for an hour to two hours to beat when solving the puzzle. Or put a gun to your head at that point. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, usually games like that that are great as it is, I, they usually, I know Nintendo game, I mean, they've done it. They just re-release it for the newer systems. 
Buy the classic Donkey Kong for, I don't know, five bucks. Right. But with those games, Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask, when they re-released them, they actually repackaged them. Like, it's still the same bosses, the same story. The music's a little enhanced and all that, but they did enhance the gameplay. Now, with Majora's Mask, most people thought that it was butchered because the original Majora's Mask, the creators actually didn't like that game. And so because they didn't like it, but the fan base did, it created a complete contrast uh, amongst the developers and the game, uh, the people who love the game. Ocarina of Time pretty much just fixed a bunch of stuff. It, it was just polished better. Because Ocarina of Time, despite what I said about the Water Temple, is still considered the greatest game of all time, but it was for that time. You release that game today, people would pan it. But back in those days, they were still trying to... Video games in general were still trying to put their feet into the 3D realm. So it was still great for the time. And then... How long was it? Like 10 years later when they re-released it for the 3DS, they polished it better. It's still the same game with some of the same some of the same issues, but the main issues were definitely resolved. But nine times out of ten, when they re-release a game like like what we were just talking about, Donkey Kong, they just leave it alone. They're just like, here, this is how it was, this is how it's gonna remain. And for the Super Nintendo games, I think that's what's best because Really, you don't want to tamper with those games, personally, because they still hold up. Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Those games, uh, Super Mario World, I think is an excellent game. Oh Yeah, they, they still hold up today. But the reason I brought up Castlevania, uh, back to that, was wow. that, uh, was that uh, Netflix uh, just recently wrapped up that series, and they're already working on a spinoff show focusing on Trevor Belmont's son. And then it's, I guess they're going to follow his adventures as, you know, as an adult. Uh, and that, and he's probably going to battle Dracula. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm noticing that Netflix is jumping on the video game bandwagon because they're working on this. Uh, they got the Resident Evil series coming out, either a series or a movie. It's like a live, it's like a, a live action animation, you know, like Pixar style animation. And and they're they're working on a live action uh, Legend of Zelda series as well. Um, I would have to know the credentials of the people that are making these series or movies and if they are fans it's the same vein with like bringing wrestling into it tony khan you could disagree with tony khan's booking of wrestling but at least you know the dude's a fan he's a fan of this and i constantly said for vince mcmahon to have competition there has to be a multi-billionaire who has connections to a cable company who is a fan of wrestling Basically, a younger version of Ted Turner. That's what you needed. And Tony Khan happened to fit the bill. In this case, whoever's making these series, I would hope that it's in the hands of those who grew up with the franchise and are a fan of the franchise. Now, you mentioned Zelda. I don't know what they're going to do. The thing about Zelda is that it's a complicated timeline in and of itself. Uh it's to a point where even Nintendo has to play mental gymnastics to make sense of the timeline. Sometimes there's literally a book out that literally tries to piece the timeline together and where the games fit. So, and sometimes the developers will contradict that, but it's, I would presume that the Zelda live action has potential, but 
I don't hold my breath personally. And I didn't watch the Castlevania series. I heard good things about it. And as for Resident Evil, I would hope that the people who are making Resident Evil are not the same people that did the first two movies that I saw. The one, the first one, and the one where Nemesis got his ass beat by a girl. Mm. No, I know female power and all that, but like if you played Resident Evil three. There's no fucking chance in hell that Nemesis should just get his ass whooped by a fucking girl that, for all intents and purposes, wasn't a part of the video game franchise. It's one thing if he gets ass kicked by Jill Valentine, who is a part of the franchise. But Alice, who was created for the movies, yeah, okay. Yeah, female empowerment seems to be that um, this female who's been trained by every major assassin organization in the world... Fights an unstoppable monster who's killed every male, every human being on the planet. She um, gets her comeuppance. She kills this big baddie. And that is how you create a strong female lead. <laughs> I guess nobody watched Kill Bill. To me, Kill Bill, per, to me at least, this is just my personal opinion. So it's not a fact. Kill Bill did the best possible scenario of me seeing a powerful woman get her comeuppance there's probably others that i'm not thinking of maybe like a i mean this is a video game tomb raider lar craw or samus but if we're just talking straight movies kill bill seemed to have done the trick and to be fair beatrix kiddo is not exactly a squeaky clean cookie cutter good guy per se she was a murderer just as much but maybe that's because I don't like squeaky clean good guys anyways. I was never a fan of the the, uh, the Hulk Hogan's brother. What you gonna do, brother? Like, I, I was never into that. Or the, the John Cena's or stuff like that. Or even Superman. I was more into, like, the enigmas of heroes. Like Batman, Deadpool. Hell, even Spider-Man, for example. I mean, Spider-Man, I guess, is more cookie cutter than those. But he, he could be a smartass. So I kind of like that. That's more of my taste. But uh, I know the approach for the Legend of Zelda series is that they wanted to be more family friendly, which I'm like, okay, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm assuming it's gonna kind of be like Lord of the Rings in a sense, just more, as I mentioned, family friendly. So who who knows how much money or how many episodes Netflix is gonna throw at this? Um, I just hope you know they just do it justice. I don't know they're gonna follow the video games. I'm pretty sure they are. Well, I don't know if they're going to follow their timeline or they're going to try to make up their own timeline and just take uh, notes, I guess, from the video game and then try to make their own world out of it. I, I, I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't even know who they, who's casted. I'm not even sure how far in, into this project, you know, the stages they're in. But I just remember this being discussed. This was, a, this was like a year ago I first heard this news. Well, to be honest, I would have been perplexed if you would have told me it was more adult tiering because when you play the Zelda games, they're not really that graphic i mean there's a lot of sword fighting you're killing monsters and all that but there's no blood there's yeah, no it's not like you're splitting them in half and the blood squirting in the air and the link's face <laughs> in fact some of the animations to certain enemies dying is a little bit kooky but even in the latest zelda title uh, i'm not talking age of calamity because that's just a um it's just basically dynasty warriors gameplay uh where you're just killing a bunch of things all at once but if you play Breath of the Wild, 
nothing in that game would suggest that it's super, super violent. I mean, Ganon comes off real creepy looking, but I, I would have been shocked if they weren't gearing it towards more family friendly, because that's mainly what Zelda always preaches. This Link is saving the princess from the evil Ganon, who's basically a warthog. He, he's a Gerudo, which is a, a species. It's like Amazonian uh, women, but Ganon is, or when he's a uh, Gerudo, he's Ganon Dwarf. But in his main villain form, he's just a big warthog. That's really all he is. But Or if you play Breath of the Wild, his first version, he's a fucking spider, similar to it, Pennywise. Then he becomes the warthog. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully, I, I don't know when it's going to come out. Maybe the next couple of years or so. If Netflix is even still interested. I haven't heard anything about it in a while. But, but I would think they still are because they got this. They have that they're working on. They're doing a Castlevania spinoff series. We one got the rest thing. of the One more thing. This yeah. is going to be intriguing because Link, other than the 3DO games, never speaks. He's always very silent. You'll only hear him when he's like, hey, yeah! Uh, uh, yeah! <laughs> Whatever. He never talks. How they're going to execute Zelda with Link having any dialogue, that's where I'm going to really have my intrigue on. Are they going to give Link any dialogue? Or if they're they, going to make him... They're going to have to. I guess. But we watched Human Centipede 2 and the main villain didn't have any dialogue. Well, I mean, unless Tom Six is writing The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Maybe somebody who sucks just as much. But, um, but not just the Netflix, because Netflix has seen to, they're throwing most of their eggs into these video game properties. But I know Sony is having this Uncharted movie coming out, which is also a PlayStation exclusive game. Uh, they got Tom Holland in that movie. So um, don't be surprised if, like, once a superhero, like, genre i guess slowly dies down that video game properties are gonna be like the next big thing i just hope they are as quality as the marvel films from what i heard i haven't watched many of them there's too many comic books aren't really my thing uh i do like batman i do want to see the new batman with robert pattinson but that's really the extent of where my comic fandom lies. I'm, I'm sure that if, for whatever reason, I somehow go to your house or if you come to mine, and you say, let's watch Guardians of the Galaxy or the Avengers or whatever, I probably will end up watching it and enjoying it. Because I did watch an X-Men movie at work about a year ago, and I remember enjoying it. So I, I probably would find enjoyment, but it's not something I seek myself out for, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not, it's not your go-to. Pretty much. But I wouldn't hate it if I watched it. Like, if somebody forcibly dragged me to a movie theater and said, let's go see this film. Like, my wife said, let's go see this film. Or if it was, like, back in the day when I was with my friends and every week we were going to the movies. Hey, let's go see this film. I probably would have. I was dragged to go see the first Iron Man. And I, th and I enjoyed it. Not enough to where I wanted to watch the rest of the Iron Man films or the Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was a film that I enjoyed and I was proud that this was the redeeming franchise for Robert Downey Jr. Because I do like those types of stories where somebody who's addicted to drugs and, and has a really rocky past 
is able to overcome that addiction and is now living a pretty successful life. So I think Robert Downey Jr. is like one of the more, um, how do I say, emotionally good stories to hear about. Um, I guess that covers that for now. Um, oh yeah, they didn't. They had a Tomb Raider movie a couple years ago. I keep forgetting that movie even existed. I got married to Angelina Jolie movies, but that's like twenty. We're going back twenty years at this point. But then they released one just a couple years ago that it seems like everyone forgot about that movie. Yeah, Lara Croft's kind of like falling off on the popularity bandwagon. Although the the games that came out in the recent years have been highly praised, I haven't had a chance to really dig deep into them. I played a little bit of the first one. And I did enjoy what I played, but I just haven't really sunk my teeth into it too much to really get an opinion on it. Because again, most of my focus for the last four or five years, I would say, has been Nintendo. Because I'm just, I do love that property. And I guess just as you get older, the gore and the graphic nature of video games just gets tiresome after a while. Although I still like playing Mortal Kombat. I, I can't get enough of Mortal Kombat. Anti-Kombat. There has been many uh, Nintendo properties I've made in films besides the Super Mario Brothers movie. Let's keep it that way. I wouldn't mind like a CG, like a Pixar type Mario Brothers movie. I think that'd be the better direction for it. Yeah, you can't do a live action with fucking John Leguizamo as Luigi. Like, come on. All right. If he's to do the voice, fine. But like that needed to be. Uh, animated or CGI, not Dennis Hopper as Bowser. Uh, you know they released a uh, extended cut of that movie. It just like recently came out like two weeks ago. How about we release the people who made that movie from their jobs? <laughs> I think that movie had two directors too. Two directors, but zero quality in that film. That's One what amazes me. I'm like, you have two people who directed this. How did they... <laughs> and they still fucked it up? One of them, Tom sucks. <laughs> Well, they, they had a bigger budget to work with, and they made none of that money back. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. So, uh, and Laura Croft, I mean, that and I guess Uncharted is like heavily Indiana Jones inspired, so I can see people be like, eh, it's kind of like that. They say, I can just go watch Indiana Jones. I guess, but... Ah. Speaking of Indiana Jones, they make, they're working on a fifth one right now. What the fuck? With Harrison Ford? Yeah, they released, uh, like, pictures got released of him wearing the hat and the gown and the clothes. Isn't he, like, 80 years old? Yeah, he was 80 when he made the fourth one. (laughs) So then he's 90. I don't know how old he is, but he looks, obviously he's just there, like, where's my money? I just want to get paid. Dude, this motherfucker's like Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is 90. He's 91. I'm not going to begrudge the guy for wanting to make a buck, man. Oh no, um, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Harrison Ford's like the the greatest pimp right now. He's just doing all. He's just doing. He did this. He did the Blade Runner. He did Star Wars. I will never forget. On on he was on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. How did it feel to wear the Han Solo gear again? I got paid a lot of money. <laughs> that was his answer. Can't he, really don't, he don't give a shit. <laughs> he's he's basically Samuel L. Jackson. He'll just take whatever. And just get paid. Yeah. I mean, he realized he's at a point in his career, like, you know, I, I, I got a lot of money, but I can always make more. People are going to cast me because of who I am. Like, I, you know, I already paid my dues. I, I, I'm made. I'm good. So, uh, Indiana Jones 5, produced by Kathleen Kennedy. Everyone seems to love her these days. 
probably coming out within two years. Whatever. You know, everyone wants another Indiana Jones movie, I guess. And um, I guess that covers all those topics. I uh, Before we get to our movie review, I wanted to talk about a uh, passing of a, um, of a guy we both knew in the internet call community. For those that don't know, call is a creator wrestler. Uh, you want to start your own wrestling league. Obviously, you have the wrestling video games. You could, like, create a lot of different wrestlers from your imaginations. And start your own little wrestling promotion out of it. And Eddie Mack was one of the one of the many guys I've done that. And he had his own company called CCL. It's on YouTube. Call Champions League. You can look it up. Um, really, he combined fantasy characters with a lot of characters based on like real life people. Like you can have like Super Mario fighting uh, Indiana Jones, or you can take someone like yourself and you're in the ring with uh, Summus or Fox McCloud or fucking I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Basically, something along those lines. And he's been doing that for like 10 years. And he's worked with a lot of different people over the years, including myself. I've um, I've worked with Eddie. I did a super show with him. I commentated with him. I talked to the guy a few times. We were never close. But the reason I bring him up was that he passed away a few days ago. Almost a week ago. So, and his loss has uh, hit the uh, call community pretty hard. I know a lot of guys that were close to him uh, haven't taken it too well. Um, I got the news at like 2 a.m. the night that night he passed away from a friend of mine named Adam. Uh, he told me about it, and then I called him. Uh, we talked it over, and I was devastated because it was just again. But uh, but yeah, he was again very very young age. And um, rest in peace, to Eddie Dorsey. Eddie Mack was his um, internet name. He went by. It's it's very sad to hear. Um, it's just it's just you never want to hear that someone you know you know or you worked with, whether it be a friend or an acquaintance, uh, passed away passes away at such a young age. It's it's sad. Uh, I don't want to go into too many personal details, but yeah, that's that's really all I got to say about that. I know uh, the VW, the Virtual Wrestling United, was like a it's almost like a club of like all these other owners of these different of their own different promotions. They all just like come together in a circle and. They produce like super show events, and Eddie was like the main driving force behind that. Now with him gone, I don't know what's going to happen to VWU because now, from what I heard, it's just down to D Wall, Darius Wallace, and I guess Jamal Bedlam. And D Wall, he has his own call show, DCA, but I'm assuming he's going to have to do all the heavy lifting now. And and I don't think he's ever really said anything about the whole Eddie Max situation. I know him and Eddie were very close. He was probably the probably one of the closest ones to Eddie. It's unfortunate. So I didn't know the guy personally. I never really had a conversation with them. The closest I ever got to a conversation with them was uh, I sent him a message asking if there was an open spot in CCL, and he never got back to me. And to be fair, if you're not friends with somebody on Facebook, they're not going to get the little ding message sometimes. It'll be put in a folder called message requests, and sometimes you have to seek it out yourself. So, to be fair, he probably never received it. Um, so, I never got to see him or talk to him personally. It's possible I was in the same voice chat as him, but I can't recall for certain if I was. Somebody could probably verify that for me. But suffice it to say, never got to talk to him. And even on shows that I partook in, that he was running, I had no communication with him. Uh, I was just as blown away by the news. In fact, I was at work and uh, 
it was actually Chris, uh, Caleb Blair, who messaged me about it. And it was just so confusing because of circumstances that had happened prior, which I don't want to bring up on this podcast because they're a little bit personal. But suffice to say, it's it's a shame because like our community, nobody knows it. It's pretty tight knit. Yeah, there's some melodramatic bull crap that goes with it, but in the end, we all are creators. And when something like this happens, it's very, very rare because obviously it's mostly a, a, a male dominated community with a bunch of people who are at the very oldest. I think the oldest person that's in the community is maybe 45, if that. I, I, there's probably some that are older, but in the end it's a very tight-knit group and you would never expect somebody to pass away suddenly and so this was the first that i can recall there's been others the first that i can recall where i knew of the person because i knew of eddie mack for years and years and years and i think he may have called one of my matches if i'm correct i could be wrong and he passes away just suddenly it wasn't like something where we were expecting it this was just sudden so um i'm not going to assume what happened it's not my place if it never comes out fair enough i'll just say that it it, it does suck it sucks that i never got to have a personal relationship with the guy because based on what everybody has said about him he seemed like a very genuine person and it's unfortunate i never got to got to see that because unfortunately we just never had a crossword with each other and it's in you know shit happens you know and life gets in the way but yeah it's that that type of shit should be a wake-up call to everybody that life is not permanent it can it can end like that so i i send my condolences and my my thoughts to any max family his intermediate family and all of his friends that are going through a very rough patch right now. So I can't really say much other than that. And, you know, everybody loved him. Everybody respected him. And it's just unfortunate because, you know, we lost, we lost one of the good ones. We lost a good man. Yeah. And they, that's the sad, cruel thing that you always hear. Why does the good die young? It's true. Usually the good die young, unfortunately. Yeah, I just I again like you. I wish I just had more time to guess just to talk to him, whether it be about call or not or other stuff. I just never, I never really had that one on one talk with him. Honestly, when I did, it was it was just in a call with like six other people and and what I, whatever we would talk about, it would just get buried by other conversations. So. Yeah, and that's more than what I got personally. I never, I don't even think I even got into a group chat with him. I'm not even sure if I have. Yeah, my uh, condolences to him. Uh, rest in peace, Eddie. With that said, um, uh, patreon.com slash the chill network for $1. You get full access to this episode along with other great past episodes. Our Human Centipede 2 review is up for free on Spotify on all other uh, audio streaming platforms. That's a gift from the Just Chillin' Network to you guys. You get to hear us talk about the Human Centipede 2, I think. Yes, that's definitely worth a listen. <laughs> Um, you can follow this guy on Instagram, Owen underscore heart underscore guy. You can follow him on Twitter, at Monoxide YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. That's right, fans. 
I got TikTok at Silent Poison. Well, on TikTok, I was Silent Poison 1992. So, uh, with all that said, let's get into our film discussion today. The Human Centipede 3. The full... Oh, no. This is, yeah, the full sequence. The final sequence, excuse me. The final sequence, thank God. <laughs> no more of these movies. I mean, you know, I... Uh, Every film series has to end in a trilogy, right, Steve? And The Human Centipede is ending with its third film. Returning to the series is Dieter Lacer as Bill Boss and Lance R. Harvey as Dwight Butler. Everybody remembers Lacer from the first film. He was the crazy doctor. And uh, Lawrence from the second movie, he was that uh, depressed loner guy who wanted to re-perform the Human Centipede. And with a sequel, you know, it's only got to get bigger. And how do you top the first and the second film? By adding more people, of course. This came out 2015. Uh, the runtime is a little over 90 minutes. And it co-stars Eric Roberts and porn star Brie Olsen as Daisy. The uh, only female in this movie. For some reason, who works at an all-male prison. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> yes. They made her into, like, such a... Gee, I wonder why. Um... Written and directed by Tom Six. Tom, really, Six. So, I follow up with my usual question. What was this? <laughs> I gotta say this, and, and I'm gonna say this full-fledged. And many people are gonna think that I am fucking crazy when I say this. Out of all three of the films, this one sucked the absolute least. Mainly because it was so ridiculous that even the film itself couldn't take itself seriously. You had fucking Debo in this film. I know that's not his name. I, I That's how I remember him from Friday, Debo. You had Debo in this fucking film being completely beaten down into this because he's one of the jailmates that's going to be used in the centipede you had uh what's that guy's name uh shit now it's gonna eat away at me uh blah, 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 blah. he plays the the governor eric eric roberts eric yeah. roberts i remember him because he was in dark knight plays one of the mobsters i love his reaction to the whole idea of the centipede I know we're jumping ahead, but like at the very end when he's presented this idea, he thinks that this is such a violation of human rights. It is so disgusting that he gets into his limo, sits there and ponders it for a bit and thinks and thinks and thinks and then decides, you know what? It's the greatest thing ever. Keep doing it. That's <laughs> that's this film in a nutshell. And, and at this point, it's become comedy because it's literally this film starts off with them watching <laughs> the second film. So yeah. you know, the first film happens. The second film is about this guy who's a fan of the first film. And this third film is them watching the second film and trying to replicate what it, it's like a never ending paradox. <laughs> so 
when you do something like that, yeah, you can't make this into a serious film. It has to be a comedy. You can't make this anything other than a comedy. But um, from the basic gist I get from this film is that Dwight and William, Bill Boss, are two people who run a an inmate prison system. And they're trying to cut down on the crime and trying to cut down on these violent inmates. They're trying to come up with a way. And Dwight tries to keep selling the idea of a human centipede using the prisoners. With the exception of they don't knock their teeth out or anything like that. All they do is like fish hook their lips onto the anuses. So that way when they're prison term sentence is up they can just unhook them and they'll just be left with some minor scarring on their lips and on their anus and that'll be like a symbol that they went to prison for some crime or whatever (laughs) but we can't obviously tell that story because at least just quickly because the way I described it you could tell that story in probably a half hour we gotta drag it out for another hour so in the midst of that hour, you've got Brie Olson giving Bill Boss a fucking blowjob to which Bill Boss. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me put it to you like this, ladies and gentlemen. Let, let me break it down so it doesn't come off a little bit odd. I'm a man. I'm a man. I, I grew up in a time when the Internet was still becoming a standard. And as a teenage boy, you downloaded a bunch of porn. I've seen quite a bit of porn during my days. I'm not going to say what I've seen. You don't need to know. But let's just say I've seen quite my fair share, as well as many other boys out there. Okay? You've probably seen some weird fucking shit. Some weird shit you can't even explain. The way that Dieter Laser. Bill Boss tries to sell the idea that Brie Olsen, who plays the character Daisy, sucks him so hard that he has this orgasm that I can't even describe. He's like, he's moaning, but then it's like, when you have an orgasm, it's just like you moan, and then maybe you've got some after-effect moans after you have just ejaculated. But it seems like he ejaculates again and again and again. It's like he's like coming three or four times after the fact and they're all in succession. And he's just moaning in loud successions. I'm like, the actor died to, he's definitely not taking this shit seriously. He's like, this film sucks so hard. Let me just like not care. That's this film in a nutshell. Bill Boss is just like this deranged drunk who's just out of his fucking mind. Dwight Butler has a Hitler mustache and he looks like Hardy from Laurel and Hardy without the top hat. And again, it's played by Lawrence Harvey who played, uh, oh, Harvey, Hardy. Uh, and Mike Adamley reference. Uh, this guy was the same guy who played the main guy in Human Centipede 2 where he was the obsessed fan of human and he has dialogue here so he actually speaks oh i don't want to go on for too long what 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 is there to say after he gets an orgasm she has to cover her mouth he's like swallowing 
<laughs> yeah, he basically said to swallow it, and she like shook her head, and then he gave her that look that he gave to the two girls in the first film, and she and she swallowed it like as if she just had a big gulp of water or something. So whatever he shot in her mouth, god damn, bless her heart. Maybe it was urine and 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 semen mixed. I don't know. This film was so exaggerated. It's not even fun. Dieter Lisa was so over the top of this movie. Every other scene, he's yelling. <laughs> Should we put it like this? His role in the first film, where he plays the doctor, is nowhere near the role he plays here. It's a different yeah. character. Mm-hmm. So, let's be fair there. But this character that he plays here, this, completely killed my perception of him in the first film. Let's put it like that. Because I had seen his IMDb page and photos of him, and, I, and he still had that creepy look that he had in the first film. I'm like, damn, he's a creepy, psychotic man. He plays it well. Then I saw this, and it all died. <laughs> oh, God. This this film. This. Uh, there's one part where there's an inmate that just gets out of the line, and then... For whatever reason, he cut the balls off. Oh. oh. All right. That, that scene actually disturbed me. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh. Because oh. I, I was kind of eating a snack. <laughs> Maybe it's because when I was younger, I saw Hostel Part 2. So... I've seen that too, and that didn't bother me. So wait, the Hostel 2 part didn't bother you, but this did. Yeah. How? I don't know. Maybe it's just that, uh... Because after he cut the guy's balls off, it has all that gooey stuff in his hand and the nuts. And then he wipes his face in the ball. <laughs> yeah, but in Hostel, a woman rips his dick off and then feeds it to the dogs. Dick and balls. I don't, I don't know. I don't, have a, I don't have an explanation for it. It just didn't bother me. Well, when I saw it, it was when it came out, and I was still not accustomed to all the gore that I am now accustomed to. Like, now I can watch... I don't want to get too arrogant, but I've seen quite my fair share of gory films, and nothing bothers me. Nothing seems to bother me anymore. But nothing in this film bothered me, per se. And not only that, other than that, everything else that we've seen in this film was stuff we saw in the previous two. Yeah. This film was just... It definitely was different. It was more ridiculous. Oh, and guess who makes an appearance in this film? Gangrel. Not the guy I was going to say, but yes, he is in this film, and apparently he has Crohn's disease in this film. Oh, uh, Pedro. What? Well, for Pedro, he was in this. Still not the guy I was going to say. Uh, uh, the, the, the doctor from the second one? No, still not the guy I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, 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 the Japanese guy from the first ones in this. Still not gonna be the guy that I was gonna oh, say. Jesus, who the hell am I missing? Go ahead. Tom sucks. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's in this film, <laughs> and he plays himself. Yep. And he gives the okay to the people to do the human centipede. <laughs> Un-fucking-believable! I love how 
everyone in the office is kind of like marking out for him, but the <laughs> Bill boss, Theater's like, this is my table and my authority. <laughs> everyone shut the fuck up. And there's one part in the film where I think they're trying to uh, start the centipede experiment and Tom sucks, who apparently created this idea of people shitting in each other's mouths was so grossed out he threw up and on the uh, window screen i'm like you came up with this dumb shit <laughs> you're throwing up <laughs> oh yes yes so and I, I love how they stitched brios into the centipede as well <laughs> Female. Yeah, they wanted to experiment with females in this run for some reason. Poor girl. They they show the human centipede movies to the uh, prisoners. They, there's basically like a prison war breakout going on. She ends up getting beat up and raped by Debo. Yeah. And she's in the she's in their her uh, hospital bed recovering. And then Bill Dieter rapes her while she's in bed. And then they stitch her to the centipede. Poor girl! Oh my god! Yeah, and, and he's raping her while she's in a coma. That's the crazy part. She's still in the coma and he rapes her. It's just, like, crazy because she's put up with so much of Bill Boss's shit. He calls her an office slut, makes her give a blowjob, massages feet. Like, this poor girl. Yeah. It's no wonder that they picked a porn star to do this because, like, I, I don't know. I can't see any other actress putting up with this shit, even though it is just pretend it's a movie. Like, I don't know. That's just how I see it. But, oh my god. Th this film was just too ridiculous to even fathom. I, I don't know what to say. I, I will say it sucked the least because it didn't take itself seriously. That that is one thing I gotta give it. It didn't take itself too seriously. Uh, oh yeah, there's one part where Bill Boss fires Dwight for whatever reason. I forget why. I think he and, like his voice at him or something. Something like that, and then he is so drunk he falls asleep and has this dream that all the inmates escaped and they surround him and put him to the ground and the one inmate that he cut the balls off of decides to turn him around, cut him on his side and fucks his kidney quote unquote and he starts screaming and hollering the same way he was screaming when he got a blowjob <laughs> and in the corner he sees uh, I'll tell uh Butler giving another guy a blow blowjob. Yeah. Did did I mention that this podcast is not PG? So to any of you who have kids, please make sure they're in bed, not listening to this shit, because we're talking a lot of adult material. I love how we made the second episode uh, free for everyone to listen. <laughs> I know the second review of the Human Centipede free for everyone to listen. Yeah, but that one wasn't as ridiculous as this. This one was just this. This. It was just outrageous in and of a nutshell. So, should we talk... What, what else is there to talk about? 
there is a scene where um, he's showing Eric Roberts the uh, the human centipede, and then he says, "I have something else to show you." And Bill's like, "Da da 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 da," and then he shows him the human caterpillar. <laughs> that the one where it's the same thing except everybody's arms and legs are cut off. And <laughs> Those are supposed to be the inmates that are serving life or have a death sentence. <laughs> it's. <laughs> oh. Keep in mind what I said earlier. Eric Roberts at first thinks that this is such a violation of human rights. <laughs> Then he comes back and says, this is great. Keep doing what you're doing. I can become a president out of this. <laughs> they cut the arms and the, they cut the limbs off. I, how are they still alive? I don't know. <laughs> I think for whatever reason, the cat or the centipede, <laughs> the very last one, the guy who's at the very tail end, they, they're talking about wiping his ass. <laughs> yeah. They're concerned with his ass because he's gonna shit out. And their explanation to how they could survive is that the shit will have enough vitamins and protein and it'll just go through them. And they're all sharing the same set bowel system or whatever. I don't know what uh, mental gymnastics they played to get to this conclusion because Tom sucks, seems to suck at biology in and of itself. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about this this franchise that I <sighs> Okay. Okay. It le it rendered me speechless. Seeing the human caterpillar legit made me laugh out loud. Uh oh my god. I had to pause the movie because I was just because I, I actually forgot about it. I've seen this movie before only once. I legit forgot about that scene. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed with how they treated Debo. Although at least Debo was on the front, like he got to be the front of the, the centipede, as opposed to getting stuck in the middle, having to swallow someone's shit. I was thinking that he was going to be more in it. The same thing with Gangrel. Gangrel just only showed up for that one scene where they showed that he had Crohn's disease. I, and for whatever reason, this is the only inmate ho uh, run prison. Where they have a doctor that doesn't have a license to practice. Yeah, because the freaking warden Bill is over here shooting people out of a, out of a, a a hobby. There was that one guy who wanted to be who wanted to be part of Centipede, and he just killed him because this isn't supposed to be fun. Yes, he <laughs> killed him because. Yeah, he he was excited to be a part. No, it was because he enjoyed the taste of his own shit. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which shot him right in front of Tom sucks. Right in front of Tom sucks. Yes. And then Mr. Sucks is acting all shocked. Why? You came up with this concept. You had nobody to blame but yourself for this. You were the genius that thought it was a great idea to take people's heads and stick them onto anuses. So don't blame anybody but yourself. And then we get, I guess, to the ending of the movie. You, we mentioned Eric Roberts walked out out of disgust. And you brought up the limo. And while that was happening, uh, Bill Boss, the Aether, 
pulled out his uh, handgun. First, he shoots the doctor because he knows they're all going to get fired. They're all basically fucked. Kills the doctor. Then he's about to off himself until Eric Roberts basically came back in and gave him the, his stamp of approval. Then he left. And then uh, his assistant, uh, what the hell, a butler, uh, said, oh, this was my idea. This is beautiful. And then he shoots uh, Dwight Butler oh, in the head. And then the movie ends with him being naked in that tower, yelling into the uh, microphone, or to the megaphone over the loudspeaker. Ah! Ah! <laughs> I mean, he yells throughout the movie. Why not just end it with him just gurgling, screaming? The same way that Brie Olsen was able to make him. Same way as that one inmate was able to make him. Why not? Just have him gurgling and screaming off the top of his lungs. Top of lungs, naked. I guess he's getting hard on off of this. <laughs> Didn't he say that to Eric Roberts too? Doesn't this make your dick hard? <laughs> he was a racist too. Like he was a legit. He was just a crazed up asshole. Yep. Shot the he... N word on Debo. <laughs> he, he was so crazy that. His sidekick literally said, I made this mustache in tribute to you. Because <laughs> he's German. Because <laughs> he's German? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Charlie Chaplin also had that mustache and he was English. <laughs> since, when did, since when did Adolf Hitler trademark that mustache? I guess it's like, what, what was it, in the office where if you have the, the derby hat on, you're Charlie Chaplin, but if you have it off, you're Adolf Hitler. <laughs> right this this the crazy thing is is that this movie sucked the least with how outrageous it is it sucked the least because it was outrageous i mean we sat here and criticized attack of the killer tomatoes because the biggest problem with that film was it kept winking at you yeah yeah this is a comedy film oh yeah this isn't meant to be taken seriously like wink wink the idea of killer tomatoes is so outrageous in and of itself you don't have to keep winking to us that this is a comedy it shouldn't have been like another naked gun even though we came out before naked gun just try to sell the idea it's serious with the outrageous concept and the uh, concept will sell itself now this I don't know. I'm hoping that Tom Sucks really didn't take his first two films seriously after they were made and just was like, you know what? If I got to make a third film, let's just fucking go all out. Because I can't explain it. Like, this film definitely wasn't as serious as the first two. Not even close. But maybe it was for the best. Because as I said, the first two films... They're supposed to be treated seriously, and I could not, for the life of me, enjoy them. They were stupid. They were ridiculous. But it, this was too, but at least it was trying to be ridiculous. But not too much in the same vein as uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Because the concept of what they were going for, you could argue, is sick and twisted. As opposed to tomatoes killing you. I, I, I didn't hate any of these movies. Um, they're all, I guess, in a way unique, whether that be good or bad, in their own way. Um, I don't know many people, I don't know really anybody that like loves these movies. I don't know anyone that loves these movies, but 
I have a guilty pleasure for them because of how ridiculous they are, especially with the second one. I think the second one's more ridiculous than this one because of like, I, I don't know, just just a pregnancy scene, the girl stepping on the baby. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was funny. I you have to have you have to have very dark humor to get a kick out of these movies. Yeah, but the first one wasn't funny. It was just dumb. <laughs> feed, feed them, feed them, you bitch. <laughs> but at least this one was mildly interesting, and in that Bill Boss was just so outrageously fucking out there. That <laughs> I guess you could say that this film did more to bring out enjoyment in me than the other ones. Mm-hmm. But. I read here the box office that this film made sixteen thousand one hundred eighty-four dollars. Well, that's probably because it was not; it was a limited release. Uh, again, it was released more so on demand than in theatrical. And if it was theater, it was a very, as we mentioned, very limited. Probably like almost like a midnight movie, and like maybe small certain towns that got it. I didn't get like a major release, like like any other typical horror movie would. Um, I mean, you know, that's one thing I will say about Tom Six is that he gets to make the films that he wants to make. He doesn't he's he doesn't make like a studio made film. Could be because no studio wants to hire him. <laughs> yeah. And um Yeah. He he created a concept that after thinking about it, I can see why somebody would think is really disturbing. But in the end, it's just so freaking ridiculous, especially how it's executed. Because how do you get me to believe, in specific to the first one, how a doctor who separated Siamese twins as uh, a profession now all of a sudden has this obsession with attaching people together for no reason, no motivation, no rhyme, no purpose. And then... And then you get the second one, which I don't know if it was a film. It was just regurgitated scenes just attached together. He just just randomly filmed a bunch of scenes and just added them together and called it a movie. Oh, and he added a black and white tint to it. But this one was just like, oh, well, everything's got to end in three. So let's just let's just create a film and just have fun. Oh, let's hire Brie Olsen because, you know, we need one woman in there and might as well get a porn star. Oh, let's get Debo, too, while we're at it. I mean, I would have marked the fuck out if they would have said to Debo, you're going to be part of his centipede. And he just looks at him and goes, what centipede? <laughs> that would have been good, yeah. But, of course, we didn't get Maybe maybe that's in the uh, the extended version that will be on HBO Max in a couple of years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You'll never get it now because, unfortunately, Debo passed away, which sucks. Like Tom. Yeah, Debo passed away. <laughs> Debo passed away. Uh, Dayton Lesser, as we mentioned previously, he passed away. Um, I actually hear there's a documentary in the making. It is called Tom Six and the Insanity of Making Another Movie. And yeah. Centipede 3 was the last film he's made. He hasn't made another one since. So he has other movies that he wants to make. 
He has yes. a movie, the Omina, the Omina, the Onania Club that he wants to get released, or I, I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, and guess what? I'm on his Wikipedia. He also has a movie called Enjoyed. He wants to do. And get ready for this because he wants to do the human caterpillar. All I gotta say is throw whatever money Tom Six wants. Let this man keep doing what he does. Keep breaking the internet, Tom. Yeah, you keep breaking the internet, we'll break your spirit. He's <laughs> film. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this. I did not hate the last film. I thought it was outrageously interesting. Let's put it that way. Uh... <laughs> I'll give you credit. I did not hate this film. So, you did not entirely suck. You did not live up to the name that you have been advertised as throughout these three episodes of Fractured Skulls. That being said, you like Rob Zombie, I don't think should be near a director's chair, personally. But hey, maybe you could make the argument, well, why don't you make a film then? I like my job better, being on a fucking podcast and just being an asshole to directors and writers and actors. With that said, I think that's going to conclude the Human Centipede Trilogy. Well, and I'd like to uh, point out that this was your idea to do these movies. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize ahead of time. And uh, it, 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 God forbid, I'm going to knock on wood. In case I go before you... When you go to my funeral, you can read out of my eulogy and use this against me. And if anybody says anything to you while reading my eulogy saying, hey, that's not the time or place, I'll have it handwritten that you have my full-on permission to completely bury me with this. So, and, I, and I'll haunt that person. Just keep that in mind. Well... Be sure to tune into our next episode as we're going to go back to the early 80s. We're going to dive into John Landis' American Werewolf in London. We get to, we get to a, a really good movie. A film you've never seen. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about it, but this podcast is going too long and I'll just save it for that episode. All right. Um, with that said, fans, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you on episode 44. <laughs> mm -hmm. Shut the fuck up!